0: All right, time to check in with Vaughn Palmer from The Vancouver Sun. Good morning, Vaughn.
1: Hey, good morning, Simi. Remember that term we used to have in our business that we're going to have to retire, the the one about slow news day?
0: <laughs> God. What, what is that? It feels like a relic of uh, an ancient time. Yeah, Back before masking and social right? distancing were verbs. Um, yeah. That's, yeah, I know exactly how you feel. There's so much always every day yeah. to disseminate. So, let's so where just do we start, start? Yeah, let's start with the briefing yesterday, because yeah. the, the word has been used to describe it as frustrating. And why do you yeah. think that was?
1: Yeah, look, so yesterday's briefing was frustrating for a number of reasons. I think if you were a school teacher or a parent, you're frustrated that uh, they're not uh, going to extend the masking mandate to uh kindergarten to grade three even though there's been widespread calls for it and growing evidence that children are getting COVID-19 under the from Delta variant to more than they were last year but they're not doing it and I guess if you're one of those people out there who is who in good faith got yourself vaccinated back in the days when the instruction was take the first vaccine you're offered and then those people have discovered that some of them, they got vaccines that aren't recognized internationally and they can't travel. So those people were hoping for a booster shot. Uh, uh-uh, There are no booster shots being put aside for those people, even though uh, I think Alberta's doing it, Quebec's doing it, but not in British Columbia. So plenty of frustration there. The one that jumped out at me, however, was this story we've been talking about where the government has been systematically underreporting the hospitalization mm-hmm. rate for some time. So the example the government provided to us was one day last week, they said there were 332 people in hospital with COVID-19, but they didn't add there were another 152 people, so 50% of that first number, in hospital suffering from the after-effects of COVID-19. They've not been telling us that number for a long time. So, Dr. Henry came out yesterday and said, we're going to start doing that. But then she said, you know, there's been some misinformation and confusion around the way we report hospitalization numbers. Look, the reason there's confusion around this issue, the reason it's so damaging is because they've been holding back the numbers and in the face of media questions, they didn't even admit it for about 10 days. So,
0: you know, um, not her
1: best moment, I would say. What
0: gets me about that, Vaughn, and we've seen this repeatedly, I think, from Dr. Henry, is that she feels that her position is very reasonable. Well, it may very well be because she's making it based on information that we don't have. So, she's thinking, no, no, obviously this is the right decision. And we think, well, it might be if we knew what you knew. That's the whole point, though.
1: Yeah, and, uh, you know... One thing you have to say, look, no public health official in the history of British Columbia has faced such a tough public job. More than 200 of these briefings with Health Minister Adrian Dix. Dozens of media questions again and again. Same issue again and again. No one's ever been through this before, and the information is changing all the time. So, in the face of all that... Yes, they're going to change. Uh, Yes, they're going to do different things differently. And yes, they're going to admit at times they got it wrong. I wish they would be more candid about that. And what I found yesterday was when she said, well, there's misinformation and confusion out there, the next step should have been to say, because of the way we've been under-reporting this, not because... The media got it right and they got it wrong, although that's true in this case. But because of what I've been hearing ever since this story came out, which is, very damaging to the government's credibility. And it's a line from people who aren't vaccinated and have their doubts about it. And the first thing they say to you is, why should we believe anything they say yeah. when they've been under-reporting it? I don't think that's a fair comment, but I can understand why people say it, right? That, you know, if they're not telling us this, what else aren't they telling us?
0: It just gives them ammunition that they shouldn't be giving to a group that is trying to get out of getting vaccinated already. Um, there's more to talk about with that, Vaughn, but I also really want to make sure we get to the Ferry Creek situation here, too, because reading through that decision yesterday from the judge, it seemed to me that what the judge is saying here is, listen, RCMP, you've got the power to do what you need to do.
1: Yeah, look, the judge in this case decided not to extend the injunction that's been at the centre of this showdown over old growth logging and ferry creek uh, for a year the injunction has
0: been around
1: and it expired this week and the judge was asked to extend it by the forest company which has the cutting rights and which got the injunction in the first place and the judge said no and the decision is well as I, I as I read it it lands the the decision lands with a giant thud on premier John Horgan's desk what the judge said was look at the bottom this is a dispute between the government and a number of members of the public over old growth logging but it's being fought by surrogates it's being fought by by protesters at the scene the RCMP who are enforcing a court injunction and ultimately by the court, which is being asked to extend the injunction. And the judge kind of swept all that away and said, look, there are remedies in existing law to deal with protests that are illegal, and you can charge people criminally and put them in jail if they're defying it. You don't need an injunction, and you don't need to put the court in this position. The other thing the judge said was that the way the RCMP has been enforcing this injunction has compromised civil liberties. It's been heavy-handed. It's limited media access to the site, which means the media can't report what's going on, and ultimately that is not in the public interest because the only way to know whether the protests or the RCMP are giving you the full story is to be there, watch it. So, but you know, I think the real challenge here is to Premier John Horgan. He has been Kind of saying, well, you know, this is between the protesters and the courts and the RCMP and the logging company. Yeah, But really, this is between the provincial government and the public. If the government wants logging to continue there, it should... Deal directly with the issue. It shouldn't be passing the buck off to the courts and the RCMP and and the protesters for that matter.
0: Right. There was a bit of a slap to the RCMP here, though, too, wasn't it? it? Because it also didn't like the judge pointed out that the way the RCMP were presenting themselves on site was not good, covering up their names, covering up their information.
1: Yeah, and there's also a swat to the protesters because the judge acknowledged that some of the protest methods here are potentially dangerous. These protests are well-financed, they're very comprehensive, So, but it was an escalating dispute, and I think ultimately the judge went, like, why should the courts have to keep doing this, right? It doesn't enhance the idea exactly. of the courts being independent. So over to you, Premier, um, over to you, Attorney General David Eby, over to you, prosecutors. You can deal with this under the law. And passing the buck on it isn't going to stand any longer.
0: All right. So more on that one. And also, let's just touch on the BC Liberal leadership debate that was happening last night. It was the first one with all the candidates. I watched a chunk of it. What did you think?
1: A gang up on Kevin Falcon, right? He's the front runner, And uh, they all went after him. Uh, You know, why didn't you run in the 2020 election? Why haven't you given up your job at the development company? Are you only running to win? And Falken, I don't think much like the questions, but uh, the executive summary of his answers is uh, he's running to win. And (laughs) if he doesn't win, I doubt very much that he'll be a candidate for the B.C. liberals in the next provincial election.
0: Hmm, That's a tricky one then, isn't that? Like if you're trying to appeal to B.C. liberals, do they feel like you're in it for their party?
1: Well, I think they kind of look at him and go, yeah, we know why you're back. The job is open. You've always wanted to to be the party leader. You didn't win last time. Um, and uh, if you don't win this time, uh, okay, well, we've decided you're not the one for us and uh, we're going to be looking at somebody else. I was struck to uh, the three of the candidates there we don't know that much about. They, they haven't been in the eye for long. Renee Merrifield, who's an MLA, and Val Litwin, uh, Chamber of Commerce, X, and, and young Gavin, do, I thought, yeah. Do carried himself off pretty well. He he, did. he got in a great shot at Kevin Falcon. He said the party should be looking at the future, not at the past, which means you think about Netflix, not rummaging through the discard <laughs> bin at Blockbuster.
0: That was such a good one. Yeah, I said was, you
1: know, for a young guy, uh, you came armed to this thing <laughs> and. Uh, the Liberals, there's there's going to be more of these debates, so we'll see how the rest of them do. But the the Liberals got to look at it. It's a fairly articulate, focused uh, group of candidates.
0: I thought so, too. I think a couple of them, as you point out, they're new to this. They need more practice in terms of thinking on their feet and not perhaps reading as much off of a page for their responses. But I thought, you know, they're off to a pretty good start here.
1: Yeah, and of course the other thing is they, they all kind of admit that uh, the party got it really wrong in 2017 and 2020 and should have been talking about things like child care and affordable housing, uh, yeah. which of course is what the, the stick that John Horgan has been beating them with for the last four years. And no doubt the uh, the caucus research department of the NDP will be going through the oh, transcript sorry. of last night and turning it into talking points for the premier and his ministers. So.
0: No doubt. All right. Thank you for that, Vaughn. Bye-bye.